0: I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all God's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who curated all things. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this loves that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.
1: Why don't I pray before we start? Lord, thank you for this opportunity to share. <clears throat> thank you for bringing us into your family. I pray that you would build us up in your love. <clears throat> Help us to comprehend more of your love this morning. By the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, well, happy Father's Day, everyone. Um, I'm going to be sharing from one part of Ephesians chapter 3, uh, and to me it's kind of like Almost the climax of the entire book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians is split up into three uh, into two parts. The first three chapters are sort of saying who you are in Christ, and then the last three chapters is saying, what does that mean for how you live your life so first, you find out who you are and then you act out who you are. When I was at Bible college uh, this was before I met Regina. I think. There, I remember there was a girl that I was interested in. <laughs> anyway, in my incredible confidence and bravery, I sent her a text message. And uh, I, I said, there's this new movie out, um, the Johnny Cash movie. It's called Walk the Line. Would you like to come and see it with me? We hadn't really talked much before or anything. And uh, her response was, I'm not really into that kind of movie, but my boyfriend might watch it with you. (laughs) My pride was deeply wounded. (laughs) I gave up my pursuit. And uh, this is a picture of the love of Christ. It's always unequal. It's always somebody loving one person more than the other loves the person. Jesus always loves us more than we love him. He's always more interested in us than we are in him. He's always paying more attention to us than we are of him. He always desires us more than we desire him. And there's a saying that we only have as much of Christ as we desire. The love of Christ is greater than we can comprehend. I want to cover the three points in my sermon today. The first point is that the love of Christ is greater than we can comprehend. The second point is, the love of Christ is the source of all Christian growth. And the third point is, comprehending Jesus' love can only come about by the power of the Holy Spirit. The love of Christ, greater than anything we can comprehend. It's a funny kind of an oxymoron that Paul... Gives Because he prays that we would understand this love that is beyond understanding. You see, in the Christian life, there's always more. There's not more in that there's some secret knowledge that someone has that's outside of the Bible. But there's always more to experience of what's already been revealed in the Word of God. We just have a tiny bit. Because we don't want it enough. Jesus' love is greater than we can comprehend. I thought of a fun way to look at it would be to go through the five love languages. You you often talk about this in marriages and, and things like that. But have you ever thought about those love languages in relation to Jesus' love for us? To the love of Jesus? So help me go through them. What's one of the love languages? Words of affirmation. Jesus is the Word. When Jesus was on earth, he could have shut his mouth and avoided a lot of trouble, but he kept on speaking. Why? Because he loved. He loved so much. He had to keep speaking, even though it caused him so much opposition. Uh, A few, uh, about a year ago, I was in Tasmania at a papermaking factory, and they said there are two kinds of paper. There's one Paper for single use books, and there's another kind of paper for multiple, for uh, repeated use books. So, novels, as you'll understand, have one kind of paper, but as you, have you ever realized that your Bible has a different kind of paper? Right? It's really thin and it's really strong. And that's because Jesus keeps speaking to us over and over through His Word. And now He's given us His Holy Spirit, He's still speaking to us all the time, and he's speaking to us through creation, and he's speaking to us through other brothers and sisters. Jesus gets the tick for words of affirmation, for the words in the love languages. What's another love language? Yep. Quality Quality time. When Jesus was on earth, once he'd gathered his disciples to himself, he didn't just say, come for a one-hour class once a week. He was with them 24-7. And when Jesus had to leave, His last promise was, I will never forsake you nor leave you. And when Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit, that is how Jesus is still with us now. And Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us so that we'll be with him in eternity. So Jesus passes the test for uh, quality time. He'll be with us forever, and he's with us right now. And he was thinking about us before we even existed. Because, like it says in the beginning of Ephesians, we were chosen before the creation of the world in Christ. What's another love language? Acts of service. Acts of service. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom. So Jesus gave the ultimate act of service. He was constantly serving people who really should have been serving him instead. In the washing of the feet, he was showing that he was the servant king. Always serving. Think about it. He left paradise to come down to this broken world. Why? To serve us. Remember when he healed the blind man. Jesus said to the blind beggar, what can I do for you? Taking on the phrase of like a servant. Incredible. Incredible. And Jesus is still serving us now. He's in heaven always interceding for us before the Father. He's always serving us. And He'll serve us into eternity. So He passes the acts of service. What's another one? Gifts. Jesus gave the greatest gift you can ever give. He said, no greater love has any man than that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. Took it up a notch. He gave his own life. You can't give any more than that. He gave it all. And he's given us his spirit. Through him we have adoption. We've been saved. We've been bought by his blood. We're being changed. And when he adopted us, he didn't adopt a cute little baby. He adopted a rebellious teenager. Some of you who have fostered know what that feels like but he didn't say, we'll see how this goes. He gave us his family name. It's legal. We're his. So he gets the tick on that one. What's, there's another one. Physical touch. Remember when Jesus was on earth, the children came to him so that he could lay his hands on them and bless them. And the disciples said, don't bother the teacher. He, Jesus said, no, let them come to me because the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Who else did Jesus touch? He touched the lepers. They were outcast. They were the ones that had to stay on the outside of the villages because no one would go near them. And when Jesus, there's a story of when Jesus healed a leper, people came, there, there was so much attention brought on him that Jesus had to go out into lonely places while the leper came back into the community. Jesus was always hanging out with the people no one else wanted to hang out with the sinners, the despised, the downcast. He laid his hands on everyone who would receive it. He passes the physical touch measure. Jesus' love is greater than we can imagine. It's not some kind of a temporary love. And it's not this abstract thing like we worship love or something like that. No, we worship the king of love. We worship Jesus who showed us what love is. The Bible says this is love, not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his son as an atoning sacrifice for sin. This gives us such security. We don't have to ever worry, does Jesus still love me? He loved you when you were totally uninterested in him. Why would he stop loving you now that you've started following him? He never stops loving you. And the second point, the love of Christ is the source of Christian growth. There's two kind of analogies that Paul looks at when he uh, prays in in, uh, Ephesians 3. He prays that we would be rooted in love and have our foundations in love. When we moved into the manse, uh, it was pretty dry, and there's a lemon tree in the backyard. And it just kept produce, producing lemons, even though it was so dry, we couldn't understand it. I reckon it produced about 100 lemons. We, I couldn't get it. The tree looked so skinny and, and dry, and the ground was dry, and these lemons just kept coming out. Why? Because there was something right going on with the soil and that tree. And that's what it's like when you're rooted in the love of Christ. doesn't matter what your surroundings will be, you will produce love you will produce good things. It's the source of all Christian maturity. A few months ago, I was in Indonesia, and someone was leading a group of us in a time of meditation um, on the Scriptures, and we're all closing our eyes, and suddenly the ground began to shake. (laughs) And it it takes about three seconds when you're like... And then someone goes, I think that's an earthquake. (laughs) And the same thing happened to me a few years ago when I was living in Chengdu in China. Same thing. We're on a really high floor. We're in a meeting. We're all talking. Everyone stops and everyone starts shaking and then the the lights are doing this and then someone goes, I think it's an earthquake. (laughs) And then about 30 seconds later, someone goes, I think we better go downstairs. (laughs) So we went downstairs. But the, the building didn't fall over. It had nothing to do with what was on top of the ground. It was what was underneath the ground that stopped that building. From falling over. And it's the same for us. We need to be founded on Jesus' love. I was part of some prison ministry a long time ago in Grafton Jail, and it was amazing the effects of grace on these prisoners. They'd done all sorts of horrible things. And the reoffending rate amongst the people who'd been through this Christian ministry was far lower than other prisoners. The government couldn't offer anything that came close to the success rate of what the church could give these people. The psychologists, the academics, the experts, no matter what they did, it barely made a change. But we went in there, and we sang hymns with them, and we fed them awesome food, and we taught them the gospel. And many of them, when they got out, didn't come back again after that because the love of Christ had changed them, had matured them. The love of Christ is the engine room for your Christian growth. Some of you have kids and you're worried about how they're going to turn out. You're worried about who they're going to hang out with, what they're going to do. The answer is not to go through a list of rules. The answer is to pray for them to be overwhelmed by the love of Christ, and to expose them to the love of Christ. Of course, you still need to tell them what they can and can't do, but if it's just rules, it won't work. In the Old Testament, we see that the law was not effective to stop sin, but grace from God, a new heart from God, is effective to stop sin. When we focus on our sin, it just seems to get worse. But when we focus on the love of Christ, we're transformed. It's a bit like if you try to be happy by focusing on happiness, you start realizing how unhappy you are. But if you focus on the things that make you happy without thinking about whether you're happy, suddenly you start becoming more happy. Relationships, meaningful activities, communion with God. These are the things that fulfill. So you can't let go of the love of Christ you have to keep learning more about Jesus. You, you have to become drunk with the love of Christ. We've all seen drunk people. Some of us have been drunk. And a drunk person can't hide their drunkenness. It's really funny when they try. When they try to like sound educated, they just sound more stupid. They can't walk in a straight line. They're burping all the time. And uh, they make stupid decisions. And their true personality comes out really strong. If they're sad, they start crying. If they're a happy person, they laugh too much. If, if they're full of themselves, they start boasting a lot. And they go on. <laughs> the, the, the effect of the alcohol can't be hidden. And in Ephesians it says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be so filled with the love of Christ that we can't hide it. We start walking in a straight line. We start making good decisions. We start saying good things because the love of Christ is so influential, so overwhelming us. There's a phrase in Ephesians there that says, that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What does that mean? It's really interesting because Jesus was filled with the fullness of God. He had a human body, but yet he had everything of God in him. So hard to understand. And as we become more like Christ... We become more like that. The love of Christ, the wisdom of Christ, the security starts to come into us, into the depths of our personality and changing us. But we can't get it by focusing on rules and regulations. We need to focus on the love of Christ. We need to learn more about what He's done for us. And the final point is that comprehending the love of Christ, being overwhelmed by the love of Christ, Being drunk on the love of Christ is a spiritual, supernatural thing. It doesn't come about necessarily, it's not guaranteed by a lot of study. It's not guaranteed by a lot of careful thought. It's not guaranteed by hearing lots of sermons. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul, after he's done so much preaching and writing, he gets down on his knees and he prays that the people in Ephesus would comprehend and be filled with the love of Christ, be filled with the fullness of God, because he knows that his words alone will not do it. And that's why whenever you see revival and a great move of God happen, you see two things. You see extraordinary prayer and broad-sowing evangelism, preaching, there's stories in Wales when the Welsh revival happened. These little prayer groups were about to close because there were less and less people. And then God started to move. And all of a sudden, people wanted to go to the prayer meeting. And then this, the prayer started going later. And they would stay up to 2, 3 in the morning praying. And all the other commitments they used to have didn't seem to matter anymore because God had taken hold of them. And then people would flood into the church and people would go out in the street and be preaching. And there was mass conversion all over the place. Extraordinary prayer and broad-sowing evangelism. Open-air preaching. And why is this? It's because you need both. If you just pray, that's not what God has told us to do. If you just talk, that's also not what God has told us to do. We need to pray for God's power, and we need to share the gospel. And that brings me to my application for this. What are we to do with all this? The love of Christ is greater than we can comprehend. The love of Christ is the engine room of Christian growth. The love of Christ can only be comprehended through the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to offer three things we can do. The first three chapters in Ephesians were talking about who we are in Christ. All the awesome things God has given us. The awesome plan that God had to include us Gentiles into the blessing that God was giving the Jewish people. We need to live out our identity in Christ. We need to speak out our identity in Christ, and we need to pray out our identity in Christ. You see, because if we just try to live it out and don't talk about it, well, that's not how people are changed. They need to hear the gospel too. If you look across the world at the countries that have been prosperous, that have more peace, that have better political systems, that have uh, less violence. It's amazing. Always what you'll see is influence of Protestant missionaries who were converting missionaries. That means they didn't just do acts of service. They didn't just start hospitals. They also shared the gospel, trying to uh, convince people to trust in Christ. You need to act it out, you need to speak it out, you need to pray it out. If you just speak it out, but you don't act it out, well, you're a hypocrite. And you haven't even done what the whole book of Ephesians is trying to say, live out your identity in Christ. And if you just pray, well, maybe you're hiding in a room. I don't think many people pray and not do anything else at all. But we're often tempted to maybe speak, more than we show our faith, maybe show our faith in actions more than we speak it. But all three are important. We need to live out the love of Christ. We need to speak out the love of Christ and we need to pray for the love of Christ to change us and those around us. Maybe you're having trouble with your spouse. Pray that they would be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. Maybe you're having trouble with your child. Pray that they would be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. Maybe you're having trouble with yourself. Pray that you would be overwhelmed with the love of Christ. Dwell on the love of Christ. Research it. Look it up. Read the Scriptures. Try to find out the depths of God's love in Jesus. The book of Ephesians is sometimes called the Grand Canyon of Scripture because it's just so deep. You can't get to the bottom of it. And when I was trying to read this chapter to preach on it, the first few readings, I I, I couldn't even understand what I was reading. It was just like, man, this guy's sentences are long. (laughs) So I had to go to some easier versions of the Bible to try to figure out what was going on. But what really impressed me was the centrality of the love of Christ, the love of Jesus. You can never graduate from the love of Jesus. You have to keep coming down and being humbled and learning from Jesus' example. Are you in a situation at work where your boss is treating you horribly? You've got an opportunity to show the love of Christ where it's not easy. Are you in a situation where you have to give up something for God? You've got an opportunity to show that the love of Christ is the greatest treasure. Not your house, not your mortgage, not your comfort, not even your family. The love of Christ. Are you in a situation where you feel like your struggle with sin is overwhelming you and maybe God has given up on you? Believe me, he hasn't given up on you because his love is greater than yours. If we were to measure our own chance of salvation against the way we love, we would all be doomed. But thank God we have a greater love that we depend on the love of Christ. It's eternal. Our struggle with sin is temporary, it's going to be over soon, but the love of Christ will continue. Faith is temporary. When we're in heaven, our faith will be replaced by sight. Hope is temporary. When we get to heaven, we won't need to hope anymore because we'll be with what we were hoping for. We'll be with Jesus, but the love of Jesus will go on. The love of Jesus is eternal. It's something worth investing in. It's something worth researching. It's something worth meditating on. It's something worth emulating. It's something worth praying that it would absolutely engulf you. And what I want to do to finish off my sharing this morning is actually just to spend a bit of time by yourself and then praying for each other that you would comprehend more of the love of Christ, the love that Christ has for you and all those around you, the people you don't like, Christ loves them. When you don't like yourself, Christ loves you. His love is so dependable. His love is, is such a security, such a comfort His love enables you to do all sorts of things you could usually never do. His love enables you to suffer for Him. His love enables you to put up with your workmates laughing at you when you try to share the good news. His love enables you to shut your mouth when you want to yell back at someone that's yelling at you, to control yourself when you want to hit somebody, to control yourself when you want to get revenge. Because Jesus has shown so much love to you How could you not give mercy to somebody else? See, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, that's over for us now. We've received grace. So we can't say, but it's not fair. It's my right to... It's not your right now because you've been forgiven for all the bad stuff you've done. All you've got is grace and that's all you should give back. It's a very radical view of the world. And no other religion can give this kind of power. Because no other religious leader has died for you. Think of the Buddha. What did he do? He left his wife and his child and he meditated under a tree. didn't do anything for anyone. Think of Muhammad. What did he do? He took up the sword and he slaughtered people. He led armies. Jesus never laid a finger in violence on one person ever. What a contrast. Jesus offers love. And so in love, we offer that same love because there is a time coming when judgment will be brought by Jesus when he returns. So we have a window now to take the opportunity to grasp onto Jesus' love for us and to trust him and be saved. And we have an opportunity to share that love with others in word, in deed, and by praying for them. So I want to spend just a few moments now by ourselves, and then I will close the prayer and then we'll spend some time praying for each other Because I want us to get in this habit of praying like this. Not just praying, oh my foot's sore, or my child's sick, or I'm running out of money. But praying for God's eternal purposes in our lives and the lives of others. Let's close our eyes and spend a few moments praying for yourself that you would comprehend the love of Christ. Father God, please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, enable us to comprehend more of how high and wide and deep your great love is in Christ, how much Jesus loves us. Please overwhelm us with your love so that our first response to others is love. Please make us... Feel that we are surrounded and buffeted by your love on every side. So that we find ourselves supernaturally changing. So that our first response is grace instead of irritation, revenge, bitterness. And help us to forgive as you have forgiven us. Lord, help us to forgive those people who we've been holding a grudge against. Break our stony hearts and give us hearts of flesh. In Jesus' name, amen. We're just going to spend a few moments now. I want you to pray for the person next to you for a few moments, and then I'll close in prayer. Pray that the person next to you, and if you don't know them, ask them their name and then start praying that you would, that, that other person would comprehend the love of Christ in, in their lives. Father God, I pray for this church, for everyone here, including myself, that we would all together get a greater revelation of your awesome love, how great it is, how high, how wide, how deep, how immeasurable it is, and how secure we are in your love. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for pouring out your love towards us. In love, you chose us, you predestined us, you rescued us, you adopted us. You're changing us, and you're saving us. Lord, give us the love and boldness to share with those around us, and forgive us for all the times we haven't. Forgive us for all the times we've been hypocrites and haven't lived out our identity in you. And forgive us for how little we have prayed for you to overwhelm us with your love. Holy Spirit, please fill us and change us. Make us drunk with the love of Christ, in Jesus' name.